We are already starting to see the John Tortorella impact affecting Patrick Laine. The Leafs are for real, and it's more than just analytics and numbers. That much more coming up on the show as we get ready for episode 47 of the Second Thoughts podcast. Let's go. Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Happy Tuesday. Sorry, I almost said Monday. Tuesday, uh, February the 9th. A few days away from Valentine's Day. Teams getting to that double-digit mark of their NHL seasons. Lots to cover here in the show today. Uh, make sure you follow along on Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast. Uh, if you're listening on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, uh, thank you very much. I know on Apple you can leave reviews, you can leave comments. By all means, um, put them over there. I appreciate each and every one of them. Uh, the first article for the hockey writers. I am working on is going to be coming out shortly involving the Vancouver Canucks turnaround maybe at this point Uh, but we did see some nice things from them last night against the Toronto Maple Leafs Uh, exciting stuff about the show as well Mike Stubbs, who I join each and every Friday on his show. It's called Friday Nights. It airs on 980 CFPL News from 6 to 8 p.m. Is going to be hopping on the podcast this Friday. Uh, I'm incredibly excited for this because you're going to get, if you haven't had a chance to listen to him before, uh, it's about time, A, I brought him on the show. But you're going to hear one of probably the most intelligent or more intelligent hockey minds um, that, that I've heard. Uh, and, and I'm talking about, like, I've heard interviews with guys who are on bigger networks and talk about how he can hockey brief and go into you know specifics and details I mean Mike is just one of those guys who it's incredible I cannot wait for you to get a chance to hear what he has to say uh, make sure you're following along as well with everything up to date on uh, on the social platforms like I mentioned earlier but very exciting news coming up a little bit later on this week with Stubbs joining the podcast uh, for this episode I mentioned off the top we're going to get to the Toronto Maple Leafs and why I think they're for real. And, you know, it's more than just the numbers. Uh, Patrick Laine already getting the John Tortorella treatment. Is it fair? Is it unfair? And then trade rumors, headlines, speculation going around and some rescheduling and shuffling for a lot of games in the NHL's East Division. So all that and more as we uh, we hop on into the podcast. And I want to kick things off right with this. So the Toronto Maple Leafs last night, Took down, once again, the Vancouver Canucks by a score of 3-1. to one. They swept the series with them, that three-game little series, uh, dating back to last week. Now, there was a difference between this game and the past two games. The past two games, it looks like they just took Vancouver to the woodshed. They they dominated them on the offensive uh, you know, charts in terms of shots, goals. They, they really took the life out of Vancouver. Anytime Vancouver thought they had a little bit of you know, come back or they had that kind of momentum moving forward. Toronto just absolutely ate it up and, and just took over the games. And those games were a seven, three and five, one. But last night, Vancouver, for the most part was out playing Toronto. They were out shooting Toronto. They were getting the better scoring chances than Toronto. It seemed like they, they got a kick in the pants and finally took over in the game. The shots going into the third period were 27 to 7 for Vancouver. The score was 1 1. Now, watching the Toronto Maple Leafs for as long as I have, I know how deflating that can be for a team. 
Now, this is before Toronto got all this offensive firepower with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and John Tavares. I'm talking pre-2016. I'm talking basically 2005 on to about 2013, right? Toronto wasn't necessarily winning the majority of the games and the games that, you know, they could have won. They were playing pretty well for the most part. And all it took was about four to five minutes in a game for them to lose it. The third period, Toronto came on. All Toronto had to do was win one of the three periods last night. Outshot Vancouver 12-5, but it was a 15-second span. 15 seconds of the third period that decided the game. Austin Matthews broke the tie at 9:22 the third period. And I'm sorry, not 15, 11 seconds later, Alexander Kerfoot takes a pass from Ilya Mikheyev behind the net after stripping Quinn Hughes of the puck and buries it past Braden Holpe. And at that point, that was all she wrote. Toronto flipped a switch. They turned a gear on, something that I have not seen this team do before. In years past from this team, what I've noticed in Toronto is they either get off to a really hot start for the first five minutes or so and then sit back and kind of let the game come to them. Or they just get they get outplayed right from the stretch and think that their goal scoring and a couple chances here and there is going to save them. Now, you could say that last night looked like that. But Van, you got to give some credit to Vancouver where, where credit is due. Vancouver has now lost five straight games. Going into this game, they had lost four consecutive games. They'd gotten their teeth kicked in on not one, but Two straight occasions, courtesy of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You knew that a little pushback was coming. This is the National Hockey League. Everybody is getting paid. This is the premier level of hockey. There was going to be pushback from Vancouver. And Freddie Anderson came came in and played, in, in my opinion, his best game of the season, making 32 saves, right? Making a couple of really key saves, specifically when Vancouver was up one nothing and could have made it multi, uh, a multi-goal difference. But Toronto flipped the switch in the third period. And at no point did I think that Vancouver was going to come out and win that game. After the, after the second period, right, I was like, Vancouver's got a really good chance. And as soon as the third started, watching Toronto for the first couple minutes, I was like, oh, no, like Toronto's winning this period and they're winning the game. You could sense it right away. There was a sense of urgency with the Leafs. They knew they were getting you know, the game, you know, brought to them. They knew that Vancouver brought their legs. They knew that Vancouver was was really needing a win. And the difference between this year and past years is games like these, there would be no pushback from Toronto. And if there was a pushback, it was for those 11 seconds, and then they would turtle back into their shell. After Toronto made it 3-1, they kind of held... They kind of held Vancouver throughout the rest of the period. Vancouver mustered just five shots on net in the entire third period. And that included a late period power play for them to get back into the game. This team, for some reason, feels different. And I know, listen to me, I know you hear this every year from Leafs Nation. Oh, this is going to be their year. Oh, here comes Leaf Media hyping up the team again. No, no, no. Let me explain why it's different this year. A, 
all of their numbers and underlying stats all point in a positive direction. They're one of the top face-off teams in hockey. They brought on Manny Malhotra, who was A, a former Canuck, but B, one of the best face-off men in the National Hockey League when he played. He has drastically improved this team's face-off percentage. Austin Matthews was dominating the face-off dot last night. Tavares has always been great. I don't think Spets has lost a face-off all year long. And Kerfoot, who was kind of a mix between wing and centerman, has done a really nice job this year too. On top of that, this past offseason, Kyle Dubas came in and addressed the media and said, I understand and realize the mistakes I made about not addressing the team's toughness and veteran presence on this team. The mindset was speed, youth, right? And skill, skill, skill. That was Toronto's motto for the last four years. 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. But this year, in 2020, 2021, look at the names added to this list. Veteran presences. You already had Jason Spezza here. But now you add on to that. A player like Joe Thornton, who I know has been injured for the last little bit, but don't think that that leadership quality has not given this team a boost. Wayne Simmons, who unfortunately we're going to talk about a little bit later on here, has brought a toughness and a, a vote of confidence to guys like Jake Muzzin and, 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 and uplifting guys like Matthews and Marner to want to see him succeed and do well. There's a presence on the back end with guys like Zach Bogosian, who it doesn't matter apparently who he plays with anymore. It's almost like he's a safety blanket for whatever partner he has, whether it's Travis Dermott, whether it's Miko Letnin, whether it's Rasmus Sandin, who made his NHL debut or his uh, season debut last night, they all look comfortable playing with him, knowing he's kind of like the big brother where he's not going to let anything happen to you. You're the one that gets to be the creative one between the two of you. He's going to be the safety blanket who finishes his hits, intimidates forwards coming into forecheck, and gives you space and time and opportunity to go be yourself on the ice. The steady presence of TJ Brody. And finally, not a carousel of defensemen that are teaming up with Morgan Riley. Has allowed him to look more like the year he put up 70 plus points. Right? Scored again last night. Pinching in offensively. Because he knows he's got a guy, a reliable, minute-eating Puck-moving defenseman in TJ Brody. Secondary scoring additions like Jimmy VC, who've chipped in this year. Right? Joey Anderson. These aren't mind-blowing names. But these are names of guys who know their roles, have chipped in respectfully, and have really brought a balance to this team. A healthy mix of veteran presence... You know, along with Tavares and Riley and, and Anderson and all those guys. Mixed in with the youth and exuberance of Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and William Nylander and such. It's finally nice to see what this team can actually do at its potential. And realistically and truthfully, I don't think we've even seen them hit that point yet. I think we've seen some really great games from Toronto these past couple against Vancouver. Mainly the 5-1 game. Even 7-3 looked good. But they've played a lot of the Western teams. They've kind of rolled through. They played Edmonton. I know they kind of split that one. 
They took seven of eight points when they went out to Alberta. They beat the Flames in back-to-back games. They took three or four points from Edmonton, and then they just came in and swept Vancouver. But they've got games coming up against Montreal, Winnipeg again, and I know that they're a bit of you know a laughing stock in that division, but for some reason, Ottawa seems to play Toronto very well. Those games, I mean, again, not Ottawa so much so. I just think the Battle of Ontario gets into some of the guys' heads. But those Montreal games, those Winnipeg games, and more of the Edmonton games, you know, are really going to show if Toronto can sustain this. Now, obviously, 10-2-1 in that, in that level of play, there will be lulls for Toronto. There will be times this year where they lose two, three, four straight games. It's going to happen. You play the same teams over and over and over again. And like Toronto's getting the best of those teams in back-to-back games, other teams will do the same to Toronto. There will be nights where Austin Matthews does not score a goal. And by the way, shout out to him. Goals in eight consecutive games. He has 10 goals in those eight-game stretches. He's got 11 on the year, leads the league. Mitch Marner, third in the league in points. Freddie Anderson, league lead in wins. All of the guys that they're paying top dollar to are all performing. This team has a nice, healthy balance and mix of veteran players and and, and and young, exuberant talent. And there's just a level of urgency this year. It's almost like they've learned and grown over the last four years and understand games that they've got it. Like yesterday, the one thing I noticed, specifically in the third period, I don't know if they were skating all that hard. I think Vancouver was really skating well, and Toronto was trying to move the puck. They were having some problems here and there, and a couple passes I was watching on the power play weren't crisp and perfect. But that third period, Toronto got back to basics. Skating hard, forechecking. Matthews finished with like four checks in the game. They started skating. They started moving the puck, started communicating. But there was a level of urgency. They went into the locker room in the second intermission and said, all right, we're, they're, they're pushing real hard. We still have a 1-1 game. We're somehow tied, even though they've outshot us 27-7. to We've got a real chance here to come away with two points if we win this third period. And they did it. They're starting to understand on nights that they don't have it, ways that they can find a way to pull out wins. And on games that they have it, they don't let off the gas pedal. It's going to be very fun to see if this team can sustain this and even honestly take it to another level. It's going to start Wednesday against the Montreal Canadiens with the two top teams in the division going at it. I cannot wait. The first game Toronto squeaked out a 5-4 win. A lot of people complaining, saying that Toronto didn't deserve that win. All right. We'll see Wednesday. Toronto has grown a lot since that game. There have been 12 games played since that opening game between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. I'm fired up for it. That is going to be a heck of a, a heck of an NHL showdown and really going to see, all right, which one of these two teams, because it's probably going to come down to those head-to-head matchups versus Montreal to decide the winner of this division. And I'm not counting out teams like Winnipeg or Edmonton yet either, but right now it's looking like the, 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 the deci- deciding factor coming out of the North Division, will be the head-to-head matchups between Toronto and Montreal. I can't wait for it, but this team looks very different. The numbers say one thing, by all means. The numbers are good, and they're, yes, they're exciting, yes, they're fun, but it's the eye test, right? You just you watch games, you just you notice the team is doing all the little things right. They're dumping the puck in, they're forechecking, they're starting to hit, they're skating, 
they're knowing that when they haven't played well, they can step up for a period. And it also helps when you've got the offensive firepower to take over two goals in 11 seconds. So be uh, be a lot of fun come that game on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, some news to get to quickly here before we get into our next story. The National Hockey League has rescheduled 27 games featuring all eight East Division teams. Um, literally every team, like I said, involved uh, a major shakeup happening in this division. Uh, it has been hit hard with COVID. Um, you know, the Islanders have been hit. The Devils have been hit. The Sabres have been hit. Penguins games have been rescheduled. Uh, the Washington story, we'll actually get to that a little bit later on as well. But games starting in February, going literally all the way through March and April, have been uh, rescheduled. So some of the games include uh, matchups between the Devils and Sabres, Flyers and Rangers, uh, Penguins-Devils, Flyers-Devils. You see where I'm going here. A lot of the Devils and Sabres games being moved around. But for the most part, every team has been affected. Flyers, Capitals, Sabres, Devils. Penguins, uh, Rangers, you name it, Um, every team being affected. Uh, Again, like I said, the main portion of this being that the Devils and Sabres have been hit um, pretty hard with the COVID-19 outbreaks. Uh, Even though Washington was hit, they still were able to play those games and quarantine the four players involved. But um, there's going to be you're going to be seeing a lot of hockey from the East Division in the uh, over the next couple of months, starting uh, in a couple of weeks with the uh, Devils and Sabres getting ready to uh, get ready to go on the 23rd of February. Uh, the first game that's going to be made up is between the Flyers and Rangers happening on February 14th. Uh, that game was moved from the 16th. So very, very uh, interesting stuff there. But speaking of one of the Eastern Division teams, you know, we got to talk about the Washington Capitals. They got some big news. Got a couple of key players back yesterday. Evgeny Kuznetsov and starting goaltender Ilya Samsonov resumed practicing for the first time since the NHL placed them on the COVID-19 protocol list, along with Capitals captain Alex Ovechkin and defenseman Dmitry Orlov. So there was an incident that took place back on January 20th uh, where all four players, uh, you know, unfortunately gone out. They broke the rules, and unfortunately a couple guys were put on the COVID-19 list. Um, Ovechkin and Orlov have recently come back to the team uh, January 30th and February 1st. Now, Kuznetsov has come out and said that, you know, he's feeling all right. He's day-to-day, but he's just happy that, you know, they're through this process and he's got an opportunity to rejoin his team. Uh, there was a really funny quote a little bit earlier on that, you know, he he confirmed actually that he experienced COVID-19 symptoms, but I uh, said he wasn't afraid because he said, I'm from Russia with a laugh afterwards and said, there's not a whole lot that can scare me. So uh, just a, a very, very strong mindset, but nevertheless, it's, it's something that, you know, has affected others, has affected the team. So maybe he kind of thinks twice moving forward. Samsonov originally was the starting goaltender for Washington. I think started like 1-0-1 to, to begin the year. And then Vitek Vanacek kind of took over. And while he's been pretty good to start the year, he has lost his last three games. and was actually pulled from this past Sunday's game in a 7-4 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. He gave up four goals on just 14 shots. Um, when this all started, too, the NHL fined the Washington Capitals $100,000 for violating the league's COVID-19 protocol. And Ovechkin came out, made a statement saying that, you know, he has learned from his mistakes. He's learned from from what took place. And moving forward, he is going to make better decisions as the captain and leader of the Capitals. Uh, You know, for Washington, they've actually, you got to think too, they've actually done a pretty good job at holding themselves up while either starting goaltender and one of their top two centers on their team 
uh, have been out for the you know last little while. And Ovechkin came back, Orlov came back. Ovi's had an immediate impact on the team. He had four points against Philly the other day. But those two players are going to be very big for this team. Washington, you know, it started off the year so well. They're now six three and three. They sit third in the Eastern Division, and you know they could use that depth back because right now you know you got Backstrom moving it in, but then you're putting a lot of pressure on guys like Lars Eller and Carl Hagelin and Connor Sheary to really step up and and take on the role. Jacob Verana, by the way, also right now is on the um, IR for the non-related COVID-19 list, so they don't have him on, on the uh, on the team as well. Uh, TJ Oshie is day to day with upper body, so you know they're they're missing a couple guys. So getting a couple of them back in, in Kuznetsov and Samsonov is going to go a long way. And the fact that Washington's kind of been able to hold down the fort over the last little bit has really helped out. Yeah, three straight losses to Boston, the Rangers, and Philadelphia. Before then, they had rattled off three straight wins against the Islanders and the Bruins. And at that point, I believe, too, that they had not lost a game in regulation. Their last three losses all coming in regulation. So at one point, this team was 6-0-3 on the year and have dropped three straight games. So... Maybe a, a sign of things to turn for them, but also a lesson, you know, not just on the scoreboard and in the standings, but a lesson internally, you know, for health reasons and for their teammates and everybody that, you know, make smart decisions. It's a it's a pandemic shortened year. Stick to the structure. I can't imagine to understand how how difficult it can be in going through this whole process of this pandemic season and all the protocols they have to go through. But hopefully a lesson learned for the Washington Capitals and moving forward, they get their stars back, they get a healthy roster and can go on a run and secure their spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, this was a story that was making headway and quite a bit of it yesterday involving the Columbus Blue Jackets. So if you remember, not too long ago, Columbus Blue Jackets, they made a trade with the Winnipeg Jets, acquiring Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic in exchange for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, Jack Roslovic had, had uh, has actually been playing uh, a couple of games before Laine was able to join his team. But when Laine joined, you know, first game, trying to get things started, and, you know, the last couple been pretty good. You know, he's posted three goals. Uh, he's looked great. He's been on their power play. But last night... He was benched for nearly half of the 3-2 victory over the Carolina Hurricanes. Patrick Lyonet started off, had played about seven minutes in the first period, about four minutes in the second period, and then did not skate for the entire third period. He was on the ice for Carolina's second goal, and, you know... He was trying to stay in position. He was kind of standing around, and he watched the play happen in front of him. John Tortorella said... Nope, you're done, and 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 that's it, and glued him to the bench. Uh, he was playing in his fourth game, like I said. Had looked pretty good, had, had two goals, and and really, you know, solidified a spot on the power play. And, and John Tortorella afterwards coming out and saying that, you know, what he did is going to stay in-house. I know that, you know, the guys are going to try and work me. It wasn't because of a missed assignment. There's a number of things that come into play with that. It's going to stay in the locker room. So there's no reason in particular as to why he said it, uh, but this is not the first time uh, this season that he has benched a star player. This has been a, this is the John Tortorella way. Whether you like it or not, all the players on this team have understood the expectations, including guys like Cam Atkinson, who came out and just said, listen, I, I am one of the guys who has, you know, been on the receiving end of these benchings before. 
there's a certain standard the way that this team plays. And, you know, every one of those players is being held accountable for those standards. Despite the fact that you are a perennial 30, 35, 40 goal scorer in the NHL. Now, Tortorella came out and said afterwards, too, that it's important that every Blue Jackets player consistently meets the organization's needs. Saying through hell or high water, I'm going to try and find a way to get us to that tightness with a lot of new bodies coming in here and understanding the standard and the culture that we want a part of Columbus to be. Now, like I said, Line had three goals with Columbus heading into Monday's game. And he was not made available for the media after the contest as well. So we don't really have an update as to how he's feeling or whatnot, too. I think that because of the recency bias and how quickly this happened shortly after acquiring Line A and all the rumors and stuff that were heard from him coming out of Winnipeg, I think this is going to be a lot more blown over than, than it needs to be. You know, I think this is just a... Uh, I don't I, I can't say if it's going to be a one-time lesson, but my 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 thought process is that it's going to be a one-time thing. I think every other player on this team, Cam Atkinson, both goaltenders, Max Domi, Nick Felino, right? They're all going to kind of come out and say, listen, man, like it's kind of the way it goes. I've I've been benched by him before. I think there's going to be a conversation had. But doesn't John Tortorello remind you a lot of Paul Maurice? The way they conduct themselves, the way they talk about the expectations and the standards for their club. You know, it, you hear it a lot with with parenting. You hear it a lot with coaching, with teaching. You know, the, the way it was done 15, 20 years ago, you know, it's not, it's not the way it's done now. You know, there's got to be more communication that goes back and forth. There needs to be... You know, as much of, you know, you got to crack the whip sometimes. It gets to a certain extent where you got to crack the whip. But this dude was like four games in to his brand new team. His only other team outside of the team that drafted you. New environment, new teammates, new responsibilities. Right? I feel like that was this was more of a conversation thing. Right? The benching didn't like need to happen. Yes, it's the John Tortorella way. Yes, that's how he sends a message. Yes, it's very expected that that's his coaching style. And it's, you know, it's also well known. He is one of the more well-respected coaches in the league. Jack Adams winner, finalist, right? Brought a team that keeps losing superstars all the way to the postseason. But he's four games in. He's four games into his new environment. That's a conversation you have. Don't make him out to be to be the bad guy, to be the guy hung out to dry, to be the guy that let his teammates down. You can think that. And again, I can't say much. Because Columbus won the game. Columbus won the game. It was like 3-2 in a shootout or something. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. Right? There are a lot of other ways to go about it. Right? Jack Roslovic so far hasn't been benched. Not to my understanding. Jack Roslovic this year has seven points in seven games, I just want to point out. His first two games went pointless. Since then, he has points in five straight games. His ice time has gone up each and every uh, each and every time through. 
starting at 14, going to 14.35, 16, 15, 19, and then 21 minutes last night. It's because the work ethic's there. It's because he blocks shots. It's because he hits. Again, I can't, I can't say, I can't, I can't attest too much because clearly John Tortorella knows what he's doing. He's an NHL coach, and I'm just a guy here behind a microphone. But there's, I, I just, there's some players that don't respond well to cracking the whip, and kicking and screaming and being aggressive, right, and shunning a player. There is an expectation. There is a level. But you think of when you start a new job, right? There's a probation period. There's that three-month probation period, right? They watch you. There's a trial. You get orientation, right? You're allowed to make a mistake or two. Because, frankly, it's new. It's a new environment. It's a new, it's a, it's a completely new job. It's new people. It's new expectations. It's new everything. Right? You get accustomed to where you were before. And all of a sudden, when change happens, it takes a while for you to acclimate and adjust to it. I'm, ju- I'm, ju- I'm just saying. Columbus has already had an issue with keeping its superstars. Is this the best way to start a relationship with the superstar you just traded your third overall pick to to acquire? Now, I know he's got a good relationship with the general manager of Columbus and Yarmo Kekalainen. But you don't, you don't deal with Kekalainen every day. You deal with Tortorella every day. Maybe Line A works, sees this, moves on from it, becomes a better player for it. And frankly, for the majority of, of, of players, that's the way it goes with Tortorella. I'm just saying, you're talking about a very special goal scorer who's clearly the best goal scorer on this team. You got some good names. Roslovic has been really nice this year. You know, Domi's kind of starting to figure it out a little bit. You know, you have your Boone Jenners. You've got Cam Atkinson, who potted one in last night, too. But, like, you haven't had a goal scorer like this. Last player of talent level was like this is now playing for the Rangers. Right? Your high-end goaltender, who you're probably happy you didn't sign him to a contract, but left to go to Florida. You've got to under the circumstances are everything. Like Patrick Line is not Jack Roslovic. Patrick Line is going to be an incredible... He is a guy where your team could be playing awful. Right? Things aren't going your way. But he bags you a couple. And saves this team from victory. Right? I'm just... I'm looking at this team's, this team's schedule. Right? It's four games since they got him. You know, they're two and two. The one game against Carolina they're going to have complications with, but you gave up six to Carolina. You gave up six to, to, to Dallas. The games you won, you've given up three and two. All I'm saying here is that this team is notorious for not being able to hang on to your superstar talent that you bring into your organization. 
do what you will with it as, as a coaching staff and a standpoint and, and the, the culture and the atmosphere of the team, by all means, right? There's a standard. You need to, you can't be slacking off. You can't think that, you know, you hold yourself at a different, different standard, a different level than others. But there's ways to go about it. There's conversations. There's understandings. Go show them the tape after. Be like, hey, Patrick, this is where, this is where I got a little frustrated with you. Do you see what's going on here? You'd be like, oh my gosh, yeah. Now I see I should come back and, 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 and get my stick and body in the way. If, if right now, you know, again, I, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's getting blown out of proportion, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying you haven't had a great track record with keeping your star players here. Don't start the relationship off. By the way, you saw the video in that image of when he walked onto the ice for the first time as a member and he kind of did that fake smile and then went back to like his straight face. Right? I don't think he was overly thrilled to be there to start with. But he's trying to make it work. He's putting his head down. He's playing hockey. Right? You just gave up Pierre-Luc Dubois. You got Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic in return. Don't let that end up being Patrick Laine leaving and your trade looking like Pierre-Luc Dubois for Jack Roslovic. That's all I'm going to say on that one. I think John Tortorella is one of the top five coaches in the league. I'm not disputing that at all. But there's certain guys that you you can still, you can still, you know, enforce the structure and the culture of this team by doing it a different way. There's 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 ways to do it. We're in 2021. You don't need to throw a chair. You don't need to bench a player. It only happened the one time. Just saying. But if it keeps happening, I, this 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 story gets even bigger and bigger as the year goes on. Um, I kind of went on that one, but I really wanted to to dissect it a little bit more. Uh, we'll get to some some news and rumors throughout the league right now, and some other stories before heading off on the show. Uh, we'll start here with the Islanders. Barry Trotz continuing to add to his illustrious career. Uh, the Islanders coach picked up his. 850th career win, passing Ken Hitchcock and moving into third on the NHL's all-time coaching wins list with the 2-0 win over the Rangers last night. Trotz now needs 81 wins to pass Joel Quenville, who is second behind Hall of Famer and all-time leader Scotty Bowman at 1,244 wins. 58 years of age, he owns a 88-54-19 record as a member of the New York Islanders coach since the team hired him on after his Stanley Cup championship win in Washington in 2018-2019. Uh, He's led the Islanders to back-to-back playoff berths in consecutive seasons. He captured the Jack Adams uh, trophy as the league's best coach in 2019. They made it all the way to the conference finals. Uh, his previous coaching tenures incurred the Nashville Predators and the Capitals, and like I said, he wins a, uh, a Stanley Cup break, a victory. He also ranks 15th all time with 72 playoff wins and like I said his lone Stanley Cup uh, just a few years ago so congratulations to uh, to Barry Trotz uh, moving into third all time in the NHL's all time coaching wins list with 850 uh, Dallas Stars goaltender this was a story happening out of Dallas that kind of went under the radar for me Anton Kudobin has come out and apologized for being late to practice Saturday which ultimately resulted in him being benched for Sunday's game he said I'm happy to be back so unfortunately it happened, but it's not that big of a deal. 
coaching staff. They dealt with it internally. It's all fine. It's settled. I'm back here. Uh, if you remember to the coaching staff, Rick Bowman coming out and saying, um, you know, despite the incident, Bowman made it clear that, uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of rules, but quote, but you damn well better follow them. And quote, he's come out afterwards and said that it's water under the bridge. It's over. We've dealt with it. We're moving on. It's yesterday's news. Uh, Kudobin, he did not dress in Sunday's tilt against Chicago. Uh, Jake uh, Outinger came in and took the crease, actually played pretty well. They lost two on an overtime, but. Uh, Bomas has come out and he's reaffirmed his his trust in his insurance in Anton Kudobin as the team's number one goaltender with Ben Bishop still sidelined with surgery that took place over the offseason. Toronto Maple Leafs forward is a big hit for the Leafs. Uh, Wayne Simmons suffered a broken wrist in Saturday's game against the Vancouver Canucks and is expected to miss six weeks. That is from head coach Sheldon Keefe announcing for TSN's Kristen Shilton. Uh, the 32-year-old left the game after blocking a shot on a clearing attempt. Uh, took it off his hand. He scored twice in the game, too. If you remember, he was sitting on the bench with a bag of ice on his wrist. Uh, at that point, Toronto was in control of the game and thought it was supposed to be minor. Turns out it's going to be a lot more... Uh, he has really become a key player for the Leafs this season. He has five goals in 12 games, three of his goals coming on the power play. Uh, Toronto ranks number one in the NHL with a 38% success rate on the power play. Uh, Keith also confirmed that the team would dress seven defensemen with Simmons out of the lineup. Um, like I mentioned, Rasmus Sandin getting into there as well. Uh, Toronto also placing Joe Thornton and Jack Campbell on LTIR. Sorry, Wayne Simmons and Jack Campbell on LTIR. Uh, it, it's looking like Joe Thornton has a possibility of being back in a week. Nick Robertson's going to be a little bit longer as well. Travis Dermott is still day-to-day with the Charlie horse. So a lot of injuries, speculation surrounding the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the last news here, the Ottawa Senators are looking to trade forward Derek Stefan. This is according to Sportsnet's Elliot Freeman reporting on Saturday's headline segment during Hockey Night in Canada. So Ottawa dwelt, dealt actually a second-round pick this past offseason to get Stefan from the Arizona Coyotes before uh, beginning the season. 30 years of age, he's in the final year of his contract, which carries a $6.5 million cap hit. Now, Stefan, you know, before this past season, uh, has been fairly productive over his career, but his numbers have really fallen off. He's tallied just one goal and three assists while averaging about 15, almost 16 minutes of ice over the first 11 games of the season with Ottawa. Uh, Stefan isn't believed to be on the trade block due to his on-ice production. He said, uh, there's quotes saying, uh, this is from Friedman saying, I don't think this is a performance issue as much, as much as it's a family issue. He said he's away from his family and I think they want to get him closer. So if you can remember too, obviously this past season in the last few years, uh, he had played with the Arizona Coyotes and then it also had played several seasons with the New York Rangers. So a couple spots that, you know, he could be moving back to. It'd be very interesting to see if he does for some reason wind his way back to Arizona. Uh, you know, it's it's also tough. You know, Ottawa's not really the most spectacular team right now. They've gotten off to a real rough start. They have not been winning a lot of games. It's tough on morale. And when you're not with your family, you're not with your support system to kind of help with that. It almost makes things even more difficult. So there's no sense of urgency right now, and it's not necessarily for his on-ice production. But, you know, you could see over the next little bit. I think Ottawa's going to take their time with this one. But... Couple areas he played in include Arizona and New York. So I wonder if those, any one of those two, could be a destination for him and what the return value would be. 
But we'll see what comes of it over the foreseeable future. Uh, that is it, really, for the episode today. Covered everything that I really wanted to. I appreciate you listening in and following along with the show. Uh, as always, it is the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Be sure to be listening on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. On social media, Instagram and Twitter, at ST Hockey Podcast. Just a reminder as well, my first article for the Hockey Writers should be coming out shortly involving the Vancouver Canucks and the things that they can do to turn around this season and a big shout as well Mike Stubbs going to be joining the show this coming Friday so Friday's episode will be featuring our second guest of the program enjoy the rest of the week enjoy the NHL hockey scheduled I know there's been some more postponements and whatnot but hopefully uh, all the the games do eventually get fit into the season and uh, until then I'll see you Friday that's a wrap